Bar Podcast Network presents A Guy, A Bride, and a Bible. Grab your Bible and your person. Mark, he's the guy. Andrea, she's the bride. Open up and read along. Hi there, baby. Hi. My bride, we are reading tonight from the comfort of our own bed. That's kind of a lot of information to share. Well, you know, I'm just saying this. Our... We're clothed. <laughs> yes, I think it's important to... For those who add that, well, we don't have a studio. Studio, we have uh, we a have couch. our house. We have a couch and oh. a table and a bed. And uh, this is where we're at tonight, recording with no echo. I really like that. Anyway, but uh, gosh, man, God's doing stuff in our lives, mm-hmm. and I really hope and pray that God is busy in your lives, dear listener Keith and Walker and people. Well. He's always active. Are we paying attention? Yep. That's something that I'm really... Are we hanging on? Yep. There was a... Um, there was a song, Christian song. I forget who sang it or what it melody or anything, but I remember the line that says, um, He is not quiet. We are not listening. Mm, I'm trying to think of what that is. And that, that was the line. It just stuck but with me. He is quiet sometimes. I don't know. Well, got to be careful with that because God does speak to us, you know, and in all sorts of different ways. We're not talking about he only has one method like of talking voice. to us. Yeah. You know, the, the Bible, Job, we're in Job. We're actually going to come to a place in Job where Job talks about how God speaks. And there's different methods that Job talks about. And there's Old Testament stories that God uses the voice of the prophets, but he still speaks to the prophets. And we know that um, many different people throughout Scripture talk about certain ways that the Lord spoke to them or through them. Mm-hmm. That's important, you know. We even have some of the church fathers and, and those who built the church over the last several centuries. They have all sorts of accounts of God's voice and the speaking of so don't be surprised when somehow God is trying to get your attention. Just listen. Have an open heart, open ears. I think the only open thing... Open your I Bible. Would, yeah. I think the only thing I would say is I don't think that it's necessarily like this easy formula. No, I don't think it's formulaic at all. Sometimes there are going to be times where it does seem like he's silent and I think that we need to learn to rest in, in that and to be, mm-hmm. I guess, able to look for those other ways, like you said. Yeah. But I can see where, especially like both of us have had some experiences where there's this expectation that there's always going to be a word for you yeah, and that sure, kind of stuff. Sure. And that can set people up to really feel like they're like left out if they're not getting like these like hugely emotional experiences and stuff. So I just think that's the only reason I would kind of caution against like feeling like you have to always. I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's definitely not the direction I was going with my comments, but that is true where you can get caught up in these emotional moments where you go into a a specific church environment and you're like, I'm here because I want to hear, I want to have, I want to have somebody give a word of the Lord to me. I want a word. I want a word. Or just have this, like, super emotional experience. Yeah. 
cautionary tales is best. Make sure that if before you go press into somebody else, press into the Word of God. Yes. And be still before Him and let the Word speak. Exactly. Let His actual words speak to you. Mm-hmm. And in there, I think is a good foundation for things to move from. Mm-hmm. Always start with the Word of God. Yeah. For okay. those of you who can hear that that horn in the distance, we're not on the coast. That is not a tanker. It's that the is, train. That's right. That's the uh, what is it? That's the nine fifty three going through Forney, Texas, right now. The nine fifty three. Well, that's what time it is. We should so. see if that's the time it always. I don't think it's regular because it's I not have no people. Idea. It's not. It's oh, not. Yeah. It's not Amtrak. That and goes if you earlier. hear some rustling, it's our basset hounds. This is just real life. Us. It's exactly. real. All right. So we're inviting you to be part of our real life. Hi guys. Um, and our real life tonight is reading. We are Isaiah. We are reading Isaiah forty-one through Isaiah forty-two, verse nine. We are reading Luke uh, fifteen. Hold on now. It's all of fifteen. Uh, all of fifteen, one through thirty-two. Job, nice little teaser, chapter 9, verses 20 through 24. We'll get through those. Our title of our reading tonight is called The Pursuit of Failures. I really like that title. <laughs> I Sounds like a really blast. Do. The Pursuit of Failures. Okay. So, uh, Bride, if you wouldn't mind, could you open us in prayer? Sure. God, thank you for your word, and thank you for the the privilege that we have of reading it together. Um, I thank you for Mark and for the example that he is to me and for our marriage. Um, Thank you for the way that you show your love for us through marriage. And I pray that um, we can see your word tonight in new ways and that we can hear parts of it that maybe we never paid attention to before or get another layer of it and I pray that we can find ways to apply it to our lives and help us to um to really listen as Mark was saying to listen to what you're trying to speak to us through your word and through circumstances and through other people and through prayer just all the different ways that you um, allow for us to to come to you and to learn from you in Jesus name amen Amen. All right, y'all, grab your Bibles. We're going to be turning pages or clicking on mouses. I'm turning pages. She's turning pages. Uh, God Helps Israel, chapter 41. Listen to me in silence. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Mine says, the Lord challenges the nations. Yours says, God God helps helps Israel. Israel. I had to actually do a double take. Like, am I in the wrong chapter? Anyway, sorry. That's funny. These headings, man. Pretty pretty different. Our editors of our of our different Bibles, right? It's so funny. They were going different directions there. She's got the Net Study Bible. I've got uh, faithlife.com using the Lexham English Bible. Anyway, sorry. Here we go. Listen to me in silence, coastlands, and let nations renew their strength. Let them approach and let them speak. Let us draw near together for judgment. Who has roused salvation from the east? Summoned him to his foot, gives nation in his presence, and subjugates kings. He makes him like the dust with his sword, like scattered stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on in peace. He does not enter the path with his feet. Who has accomplished and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, Yahweh, am first. I am the one with the last. 
The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They've drawn near and they have come. Each one helps his neighbor. He says to his brother, take courage. And the artisan encourages the goldsmith. The one who makes smooth with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil. Saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so it cannot be knocked over. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, mm, that's good, you whom I grasped from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and told, you are my servant, I have chosen you, and I have not rejected you. You must not fear, for I am with you. You must not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Indeed, I will help you. Indeed, I will take hold of you with the right hand of my salvation. Look, all those who are angry with you shall be ashamed and humiliated. Your opponents shall be like nothing and shall become lost. You shall seek them, but you will not find them. Your opponents shall be like nothing, and the men of your war like nothing. For I, Yahweh, your God, am grasping your right hand. It is I who say to you, you must not fear, I myself, I will help you. You must not fear a worm of Jacob, people of Israel, I myself will help you, declares Yahweh. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Look, I will make you into a new sharp threshing sledge with sharp edges. You will thresh and crush the mountains and you will make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them and the wind shall carry them and the tempest shall scatter them. And you yourself shall rejoice in Yahweh, and you shall boast in the Holy One of Israel. The poor and the needy are seeking water, and there is none. Their tongue is dried up with thirst. I, Yahweh, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the barren heights and the fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness like a pool of water and the land of dryness like springs of water. I will put the cedars, acacia, myrtle, and olive oil trees in the wilderness. I will set the cypress, elm, and box tree together in the desert, so that they may see and know and take to heart and understand together that the hand of Yahweh has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Present your legal case, says Yahweh. Bring your evidence, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring them. And let them tell us what will happen. Tell us what the former things are, so that we may take them to uh, our heart and know their outcome. Declare to us the thing to come. Tell us the things coming hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Indeed, do good or do evil, that we may be afraid and see together. Look, you are nothing, and your work is something worthless. Whoever chooses you is an abomination. I stirred up one from the north, and he has come from the rising of the sun. And he shall call on my name, and he shall come on officials as on mortar, and as the potter treads clay. Who declared it from the beginning, so that we may know, and beforehand, so that we might say, He is right. Indeed, there was no one who declared it. Indeed, there was no one who proclaimed it. Indeed, there was no one who heard your words. First to Zion, look, look at them, and I give a herald of good tidings to Jerusalem. But I look, and there is no man, and I look the and I look among these, and there is no counselor, 
that I might ask them and they might answer a word? Look, all of them are deception. Their works are nothing. Their images are wind and emptiness. That's chapter 41. Thoughts, questions, comments? Um, I, I had a couple things and I... Okay. I think just something that we've kind of been talking about is like the need for reverence for God. We have been talking about that. And I think verses 1 through 7, or really 1 through kind of challenges mm-hmm. our view like we've been talking about just being like oh God's our buddy you know like who summons the successive generations from the beginning at the very end I am the one mm-hmm. in verse 4 Yeah. Um, when we really look at who he is compared with how small we are but the crazy part is then you go into verse 8 where he says, I've chosen you and don't be afraid. Like, he is so... The whole earth trembles is in verse mm-hmm. 5, right? Mm-hmm. And then a few verses later, he's saying, don't be afraid. I will help you. So, it's not like this hollow thing. Because, you know, you've had people say like, oh, you're safe. I've got you. And then mm-hmm. they they are actually not able to do much anyway and then the pagan gods part in verse 21 oh yeah present your argument um tell us what will happen and there's nothing like they are unable to do anything it's just a cool contrast i I love i love in 20 was it 20 is it 20 no it's in 21 when he says present your legal case bring your evidence yeah uh, as I'm reading that... It's sarcasm, right? It, it is a bit of sarcasm it's on God's part. It's a lot part. of sarcasm. But what I really see it as is God not taking it. You know what I mean? This is him. All right, you've said enough, little man. It's my turn now. And this is God flexing with no apology. Well, and I think that if we... Ju- oh, I just remembered what I was going to say. But before... We're going to get to that in a second. I think the point, too, is that um, he's not just saying one through four or one through three or whatever just to puff himself up because he doesn't mm-hmm. have to. Mm-mm. I think he's like, I'm the real deal. Yeah. And, that's and a, I can yeah. help you. These little guys can't help you. So I, I think that when you look at like that whole arc there, it makes it really... Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anyway, but what I was going to say is, and this is me being totally sarcastic. Okay, hit it. It's really easy to pick out a verse and make it about us and it makes us feel really good. Verse 10. Oh, no. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be frightened, for I am your God. I strengthen you. Yes, I help you. Yes, I uphold you with my victorious right hand. Look. Look, all who are angry at you will be ashamed and humiliated. Man. Is this coffee cup verse? It is. It's a coffee cup and verse. I think that that's where, but at the same time, like, we are his children, and he has given us access through Jesus, but we are not 
the Israelites talked about in Isaiah. This is true. Anyway, I just so read I want, that and I was like, oh, I, man. I have a counter to that. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if, okay, let's, all right, listeners. Do you know where I'm going? We're going to put up two coffee mugs right now. Andrea is going to read, Bride, if you would mind, read that verse 10 again, and I'm going to read a different verse. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be frightened, for I am your God. I strengthen you. Yes, I help you. Yes, I uphold you with my victorious right hand. Or you can choose my coffee mug, which says, Look, you are nothing, and your work is something worthless. Whoever chooses you is an abomination. Which coffee mug would you buy? These are both out of Isaiah 41. Context is everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Context so is everything. I, I do think that we can lean on God. And I, I don't mean to make make it sound like he doesn't care about us. But I just think, mm-hmm. I think my point is verse 10, you could be totally, completely living for yourself. Mm-hmm. Sinning. Yeah, and then read not, that verse. Not being kind to anybody and then read that and go yep he's on my side yeah you could totally be full of yourself so i think we need to make sure that we Mm -hmm. are that we're right and before you grab a verse and say that's mine yeah let's find out who belonged to first because i'm pretty sure the billions of people that came before you might be a line ahead of you you know what i'm saying all right we have nine more verses here in chapter 42 Look, here is my servant. I hold him, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice forth to the nations. Who are we talking about? Messiah. Jesus. Messiah. He will not cry out and lift up and make his voice heard in the street. He will not break a broken reed and he will not extinguish a dim wick. He will bring justice forth in faithfulness. He will not grow faint and he will not be broken until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says the God Yahweh who creates the heavens and stretches them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, and who gives to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am Yahweh. I have called you in righteousness. And I have grasped your hand and watched over you. And I have given you as a covenant of the people, as a light of the nations, to open the blind eyes, to bring the prisoner out of the dungeon, those who sit in darkness from the house of imprisonment. I am Yahweh, that is my name, and I do not give my glory to another, nor my praise to the idols. Look, the former things have come, and I declare new things. I announced them to you before they sprout up. Boom! I love that. I just have one note. Go. Sorry, make sure that I'm looking at the right thing. Um, So verses 1 through 7 contain the first of Isaiah's servant songs, which describe the ministry of a special ideal servant who accomplishes God's purposes for Israel and the nations. The song depicts depicts... Depicts the servant as a just king who brings justice to the earth and relief for the oppressed. The other songs appear in 49, 50, and 52. Nice. And then um, the crushed reed and dim wick. I think I'm a dim wick. <laughs> I love that line. Symbolize the weak and oppressed who are on the verge of extinction. 
and we like to think of ourselves as significant and you know i'm enough <laughs> right yes we do but this kind of he won't break a person who's oppressed or what is it weak if we're weak he's not going to crush us and if we're um oppressed he will not extinguish like he cares about the people who are really really struggling that just okay, i think that's just does. really beautiful he does even if it's our own fault even if it's our own fault so good stuff all right babe let's get to the book of luke the book of Luke. Oh my goodness. That's better than saying, let's take a Luke. No, uh, you just Luke. said it though. I know. Okay. I have to because you're so waiting. The parable of the lost sheep and coin. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them, he must have been so irritated. Like, you no, do yeah. not get it. Okay. <laughs> so Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Come on. There's a reason you're laughing at this. Sorry. Come on. Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope. Which one of you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one She's of them... She's going to get through this, I promise. ...would not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and recklessly go look for it? <laughs> sorry. It does not say that. It does not say that. Stop. It does not say that. No. It doesn't. That's terrible you do that to me. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. With that, purposefully. She is sassy. Would not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go look for the one that is lost until he finds it. If you know, you know. I couldn't help it. You're going to do it? You're going to make it? You're going to be okay? Then, when he has found it, he places it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Returning home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, telling them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Repents? I like hmm. that word. Hmm. Then over 99 righteous people who have no need to repent. Or what woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search thoroughly until she finds it? Then when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. The Mm. parable of the compassionate father. Then Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. After a few days, the younger son gathered together all he had and left on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth with a wild lifestyle. Then, after he had spent everything, a severe famine took place in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and worked for one of the citizens of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to eat the carob pods that pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired workers have food enough to spare?' But here I am dying from hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way from home, his father saw him and his heart went out to him. He ran and hugged his son and kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Hurry, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the slaves and asked what was happening. The slave replied, Your brother has returned, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he got his son back safe and sound. But the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and appealed to him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have worked like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your commands. Yet you never gave me even a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and everything that belongs to me is yours. It was appropriate to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. <sighs> I love that. Um, it that makes promise. me think of, I think that was really well done in the, um, the play that we saw. Oh, yeah. It um, really was well done. Jesus by Sight and Sound Theater. Yep. Um, really shows this beautifully. Definitely want to patronize them with your time and money. If you get a chance to, they do a really good job with Broadway-level productions. Ooh, I like this. What do you got? So about the leaving the 99. Um, yeah. The note here says, This individual with a 100 sheep is a shepherd of modest means, as flocks often had up to 200 head of sheep. So he would risk his livelihood. Yeah. Yes, he would. For the yes, one. Sir, for the one. Or also, he doesn't have that many, so that one is more precious. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. And then um, the prodigal son won the parable pictures God's pursuit of the sinner on the image of Jesus as the good shepherd. See John 10. Nice. All right. You ready? Should we move on to Job? Sure. Okay, I need Job 9, 20 through 24. Even though I am righteous, my mouth will condemn me. Even though I am blameless, yet it would pronounce my guilty. My, my guilty? guilty? Me guilty. I am blameless. I do not care about myself. I loathe myself. It is all one. Therefore, I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When the whip kills suddenly, he mocks it at the despair of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the face of its judge. If it is not he, then who is it? That's it. Verse 24. What does 24 mean? 24. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the judge. Uh, let's see. I got a note that says, covers the face of its judge. The wicked rule... Uh, in the earth because those with power to stop them are blind to injustice. This expression refers to bribing officials. Job does not mean that God bribes officials, but he does imply that he can keep them from recognizing the misery of the oppressed. If it's not he, then who is Jacob asks how many or how any other, anyone other than God could be responsible for injustice if God is sovereign and in control of creation. Hmm. Pretty nice. I love it. Interesting. So Isaiah is being faithful to his call. 
Jesus is telling us parables of Israel, who is the older brother, right? They're the ones who are like righteous. That's the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And the lost, like the lost sheep is the prodigal son. The lost prodigal son out there roaming and wandering and eating pig slop. Mm-hmm. And then in Job, we've got Job talking about a little bit more on that complaining stuff still. Um, if I summon him and he should answer me, I do not believe that he will listen to my voice. Who crushes me with a tempest that implies, uh, multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to catch my breath. Rather, he will fill me with bitterness. If it is a matter of strength, look, he is mighty. If it's a matter of justice, who can summon me? Even though I am righteous, my mouth will condemn me. Even though I am blameless, yet it would pronounce me guilty. I am blameless if I, I do not care about myself. I loathe my life. It is all one, therefore I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When the whip kills suddenly, he mocks at the despair of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the face of its judge. If it is not he, then who is it? 24 is just, there's that part where, as we're looking at this, he is saying that God, Yahweh, has given over control to the wicked. So that's the closest thing that I think we'll find Job calling out the adversary, the Satan. Because he's saying that, this should have happened to me. God's too good to have this happen to me. So clearly he must have given control over to the evil one for me to be afflicted. I don't know if I see it that way. I kind of see it that way. I kind of see it where he's kind of questioning God, right? Well, a little bit. Well, because if it's not God, then who is it? That's what he's saying. If it's not the evil one, Well, your commentary says something kind of different there. Well, it says the wicked rule the earth because those with the power to stop them are blind no, to injustice. No, the next verse. Oh, Job asked how anyone other than God could be responsible for injustice if God is sovereign and in control of creation. It's kind of a... So... He's being real. He, well, he is being real because he's confused. Mm -hmm. He's gone from prosperous and faithful to God mm -hmm. to penniless, mm -hmm. childless, yeah. wish, wish he was wifeless, and he has three lame friends, so I think he wish he was friendless. Mm-hmm. And where's God in all this? God can't be the one in control right now because I'm doing everything he told me to do. So it must be somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's how I'm reading that. So it's an intense thing when you go through suffering. You know this. Suffering is, it clouds all reality. Yeah, it does. It absolutely causes and all logic and reason to be abandoned. why. And that's why this this book is used so well by, even though you... Here she goes. I caught her. Even though he never replied, I'm going to give him another plug. Philip Yancey, Where's God When It Hurts? Yep. Really takes the whole book of Job and uses it as a lesson. Mm -hmm. Because God never says why. He doesn't and have to. He never explains he never has to. And if we get stuck in the why, it's a really hard place. Mm -hmm. And it's a very lonely place. Yep. And it can turn into a self-pitying place. And those of you who are listening, if you're suffering, we've got 
I recommend Suffering Free Nancy. Real. I'm going to recommend C.S. Lewis. The problem with pain. The or problem with pain. Yeah. And he's also got I never another. Read that. Well, he's also got another one about suffering. But what does C.S. Lewis know about suffering? He lost his mother to cancer. And then his wife, right? And then he lost his wife to cancer. So as a little boy, by losing his mother, he pledged. He prayed that God would heal her, and God didn't. So that's what sent him spinning on his his road toward atheism mm. for decades. Yeah, and then he is a believer in Christ and he's got all this wonderful thing happening, authoring books and teaching at Cambridge and the whole bit. And then Joy Davidson comes into his life and he marries her. And then she's taken with cancer. And he goes through such an intensity. So if you, uh, if you get a, if you get a chance. Oh, is that a grief observed? Um, I forget the title, but it could That's be. That's it. I never read it. So, if you get a chance, and you could also watch Shadowlands with Anthony Hopkins. That's also a good one to watch. Yeah. He represents it quite well. Okay, y'all. Hey, thanks. Listen up. We're part of the Bar Podcast Network, and uh, we are actually going to be on the Bar Podcast itself this weekend. We're going to record that. It'll drop next week. We'll let you know. But our producer, Dwayne, is going to interview us. And it's going to be fun. So we really appreciate that. And uh, for, if you're new to listening to us, Go check out the Bar Podcast Network. There's a ton of shows we would recommend to you. Um, of course, not the least of which is Just Thinking Podcast. Uh, that is um, our flagship kind of podcast. But just the same, we love you guys. Thanks for reading the Word of God with us. Thanks for listening to us. If you're not reading it out loud with your spouse, you better start. Give it a shot. Give it a shot because I'm telling you right now, your marriage will change. It just will. It'll, it'll, it'll just change. Give yourself 30 days. 30 days reading the Bible out loud with your spouse. You can be in bed. You can be at the table, wherever you want to be. But don't Driving do it alone. Car. I love that one. Love it. So bless you guys. We love you. May the Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Give you peace. All the things. I'm Mark. I'm a guy. I'm Andrew. I'm a bride. We just got done reading the Bible. Bye. The Bar Podcast Network presents A Guy, A Bride, and A Bible Grab your Bible and your person Mark, he's the guy Andrea, she's the bride Open up and read along Thank you.